And welcome back, folks. It's your host, Jeff Shugarts, and this is the Stash It or Pass It podcast, your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis, the traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Now, let me just first give thanks to everyone tuning in today, episode 21, and what a ride it has been. Like I've said, we have gone international. So first, just let me give a warm welcome to all those in the United States and all those around the world. Wow, I am so grateful for everyone that keeps on coming back. And let me tell you, my friends, we are just getting started. This thing is going to go, go, and go. But I couldn't do it without you. And I couldn't do it with all of the incredible people that support me in my life and all of the incredible guests that continue to come on this show. So without further ado, this week on the Weather Report, we're going to dive into our friend Marcus Moles's latest letter that he just released on his subtract about the cowboy up crypto culture. And it has some nuggets in there, my friends. You are going to want to tune in for that. And on the traffic report, we're going to run through the weekly news, some different things that have come out and uh, give a few updates. But next week, we are going to hear from Chris Piazza. He is the founder and CEO of Canna Devices. We are so excited to have him on the show. He is an investor, he is an entrepreneur, and he is making waves in the cannabis culture, in the cannabis community, in the industry. And we are so excited to have him on the show. So you're going to want to tune in next week for that. And this week on the Culture Report, we are just going to run through the news, my friends. There has been a lot out from the little Elon Musk-Senator Warren feud to the latest in the football arena and the coaching arena. We're going to follow up on a few takes we had earlier in the year that have come to fruition, if you will. But without further ado, you know the drill. Buckle up and get ready because it's going to be a hell of a ride. Stash it. And to get us started off this week, we haven't done one in a while, and that is a mindful minute. So I thought I would do a reading from one of my favorite books, and that is Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Willink. If you've never heard of Jocko, I highly recommend checking him out, but this is one of my favorite books. It's something that you get one reading a day, and it can really help your day start off on the right foot. And uh, you know, there's a lot going on out there right now. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of sadness. And I thought this could be something to help and pull people together to help and give strength to those who need it. Now, this is called Draw Fire. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. I don't know why. Life is not fair. That is the reality. Disease and accidents don't care if their victim is a good person. They have no reason, no justification, and no mercy. And even the best person you know can end up in the clutches of evil. And you cannot stop it. So what do you do? Are you going to get angry, frustrated? Are you going to lash out at people? Who are you going to lash out at? Are you going to start going down the spiral of negativity? Are you going to let the horrible situation dictate the way you feel and the way you handle it? Are you going to fall over, 
fall down, fall apart? Or are you going to lead? Are you going to face this issue with courage and with resolution? I say lead. Lead. Step up. Be the one who people look to. Absorb the impact and the negativity. Draw fire. Yes, draw fire. That's when a member of a platoon, for tactical reasons, steps into the open to draw enemy fire. Maybe to give another part of the team a chance to move. Maybe to distract the enemy. Maybe to help the platoon locate the enemy. But that's what I say. Draw fire. Bring that pain to me. I can handle it when others cannot. When bad things are happening, I will be the one good thing standing tall that can be relied upon. I will bolster those around me and the positive attitude will spread and we will fight. And in fighting, we will win. If not the battle, And if not the war, we will win because our spirit will never surrender. And that is the ultimate victory to hold your head high. And even in the face of inescapable defeat, to stand and fight. Now, I wanted to do that reading because it means a lot to me. And like everybody else, we all have good days and bad days, myself included. And on those good days, it's very easy to be full of joy and be grateful and be happy. But on those bad days, those days when everything around you seems like it's falling apart, you're hearing negativity and complaining from everyone around you, and you just want to sometimes fall into that trap and you want to just lash out with everybody else. You want to complain with everybody else. You want to be just as mean and negative because if someone's doing it to you, you want to do it to somebody else. And I say, no, we have to fight that fire. We have to fight that negativity, fight it with gratitude. On our worst days, we should be most grateful. We should give most thanks and most praise. And one thing I like to do, I think this is a real cheat code, is make your bed. I've made it a point in my life for the last couple of years. And I can tell, you know, there's some bad days when I wake up and things aren't going my way. I'll be like, oh, whatever. I won't make the bed today. No, make that time, make the bed. Same thing goes with getting up and sticking to your routine. Drink that water, take those vitamins, go get that workout, especially on the days that you don't want to, or you don't feel like it. And now that's a mindful minute with your man, Big Stash Shoe Guards. Stash it. And next up here on the weather report, we're going to dive in to the latest letter that was sent out by our friend, Marcus Moles, who we've had on the show a few times, and we can't wait to get him back on. But every week, he releases a letter on his subtract. I will have that down in the show notes as I have for quite some time now. But this one hit home for me in general because it was a lot about crypto and culture and how they work together. Now, this is a reading from his letter, and I'll just dive right into it. 
Now, moving forward, Bitcoin is an easy bet, while Ethereum will need scaling and a different approach to gain users. Layer 2s and zero-knowledge proofs protocols will be a focus for Marcus, a few of those being Dusk, Syscoin, Mute, and Harmony. Now, another that we have talked about plenty of time on this show, and that is Matic, and that is an easy boomer bet on the trade. Now, Matic is a layer two to Ethereum. Now, what is a layer one and a layer two? If you think of the Ethereum blockchain as layer one, now we've heard about Ethereum and their gas fees and different things like that. When you want to make a transaction on Ethereum, where you want to swap an Ethereum token for a smaller altcoin, some people are paying two, three, four hundred dollars to make that swap. Or when you're trying to buy an NFT with Ethereum and you're paying a gas fee that's a couple hundred dollars, or even when you're trying to transfer Ethereum from one wallet to another, from an exchange to another exchange, you're paying a very, very high gas fee. So how do we lower those Ethereum gas fees? We do it with layer two projects. And one that I've talked about plenty on this show is Matic. And that is because we've talked about Zed Run and I love Zed Run, built on Ethereum, powered by Matic, and that is a digital NFT horse racing game. And it's growing a large community, and it has a culture to it, and it's a lot of fun. And this is how I found out about Matic. So again, Ethereum is a great place to learn, to play, and to see a lot of new projects that are being built. To continue on, if Ethereum continues to stumble on the scaling front, the layer one trade will still be powerful. Once we have a smoother terrain, he's going to look to Solana, Adam, Luna, and AVAX. Now we've talked about these plenty. Now Solana is comparable to Ethereum and the Solana token being Sol. And Solana has those connections back to FTX and the FTX exchanges CEO, Sam Bankman Fried, and I love, like I've said in the past, how FTX is tackling and bringing together that culture of gamers, the crypto heads, sports, and a little bit of gambling as well. So this is still going to continue to evolve and it's going to interact and it's going to disrupt other segments in our economy as well. But one thing I love more than anything is how Solana is really bringing multiple cultures together and that being with our celebrities our sports stars things that we love and to continue on to marcus these are the layer ones that will continue to gain capital developers and users as they move faster than bitcoin and ethereum they will need time to consolidate after their massive price moves in 2021 now like we've seen solana We've been holding that since $25, went all the way up past $250, and now we've corrected back below $200. We're ranging anywhere between $160 and $180, $190 right now. And the same with Luna. Now, we first started buying up Luna at $15, 20 $25, $30, $35, $40. And right now, we're over $70, and it's corrected back to $55. Now, it's going back to $70, and we hope to see it continue to climb. 
Now, does that mean it's just going to keep going up forever and never take pullbacks and corrections? Absolutely not. That's what Marcus is saying. We're going to find stages where people are going to sell these massive gains and then it's going to pull back and it's going to go through a consolidation because of these massive price moves. You're not just going to go up 10,000% every year, but we're going to see if they can make it through these cycles, if they can be tested, and if they can continue to attract developers, to attract capital, to bring more users. And as this thing continues, there's going to be cross chains and they're going to have to work seamlessly together to keep this thing going. I feel like if they're going to stay relevant and going to essentially work together, you know, across different chains. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time with Adam and AVAX, but, you know, reading Marcus's letter here, you know, I'm definitely going to look into these. And it's like I always say, too, you know, I'm a big believer of Solana and Luna. So why would I want to learn about Adam and AVAX? Because I want to challenge what I really think about Solana and Luna. Now, if I look into these other projects and I see, wow, that's better than what Luna's doing, or wow, that's better than what Solana's doing, then maybe it'll help me rethink and reanalyze and not just be you know, driven by the dollar amount. Now, to continue on, we've talked a lot about e-gaming, NFTs, the metaverse, and that's why I love this letter. It just goes all the way into every different parts of this crypto culture. Now, moving out on the risk curve will be gaming, metaverse, and NFTs. The games that can deliver and prove to be fun will gain market traction. So far, I have yet to see this type of caliber. The only thing that has piqued my interest is DeFi Kingdoms, Veil VR, and Atlas. The top gamified tokens and coins on this list need to go through a market cycle similar to the layer ones, recover, consolidate, and look for an entry once. Bitcoin and Ethereum have their time in the macro environment. Now, what he's saying there, I actually don't hold any of these tokens. I actually, we are looking into Atlas and looking to take a position there. But, you know, again, gaming is going to be a big part of the metaverse. It's going to be a big part of the future, uh, decentralized gaming in general. And uh, some gaming tokens that we own right now that are a little bit more of a crypto slot machine, if you will, are vra veracity and ufo now atlas is uh, one that i definitely have my eye on but you know i'm not a gamer i'm not from that gamer culture but i understand that the future and there is a huge culture right now that is going to propel is going to push and is going to grow immensely in the future so i'm definitely going to keep my eye on this and the list he's talking about is when you go to CoinGecko. Now, this is something we've talked about. It's a great resource. It's a great app, but CoinGecko.com. And you can look up different crypto tokens and whatnot by their industry. So for example, this is a list of the top GameFi coins by market cap. And these are ones that we have talked about. You know, They kind of overlap as well with the metaverse. So for example, the top three gaming tokens actually are metaverse tokens as well. And that is Axios Infinity, the Sandbox, Gala, Axios Infinity being AXS. And we have talked plenty about the Sandbox and we will continue to, you know, Sand and then Gala being Gala Games. So again, 
great letter. And we're just going to continue on down the cowboy up in 2022. Next up on that is the metaverse. Now, the metaverse is the next frontier for businesses to generate cash flow. Now, what Marcus likes to say, it is the next big bubble who Loomdart would suggest Facebook's name change, like we've talked about plenty of times. Facebook's name changed as every boardroom in the nation is scrambling to keep up. You know, the trend is your friend on this buzzword. So study the list for entries. Now, what is the list again? We're talking about the top metaverse coins by market cap. Check it out on coingecko.com. Marcus's letter is going to be in the show notes. But when we first brought up this list, the market cap was under 20 billion. Right now, we're at 26 billion. And the top tokens that we love to talk about in the metaverse, Axie Infinity, AXS, number one, the Sandbox, Sand, number two, Decentraland, Mana, number three, UFO Gaming, number four on the list. And this list is very robust to make up this market cap. But again, a $26 billion market cap with 11,000 plus coins in it. And that market cap is still only a fraction of what Ethereum is, or only a fraction of what Bitcoin is, is still only a quarter of what even Solana is. So... We'll continue to read on here. We're going to continue to watch this because the metaverse, like we've talked about, it is going to be with us. Last week, we talked about Bill Gates proclaiming that all of future digital meetings, so when we're talking about jumping on a Zoom or a video chat, those are going to be held in some kind of metaversal setting. And that's coming from Microsoft. Microsoft, obviously a huge company a great company that was built, something that is a part of our lives, if we like it or not. I'm sure everybody has used Microsoft Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and this is going to be continued to be used and it's going to be a part of the metaverse. And next up in Marcus's letter was about NFTs. Now, lots of people reach out to me about NFTs and I actually don't own any NFTs. I've had a worked with an NFT project once or twice. Uh, excited to get more involved in this, learn more about it. But um, you know, one of those NFT projects I was involved with was with Stupid Fruit, StupidFruit.com. A great friend of mine here in Charlotte, North Carolina. His name's Rabi, and Stupid Fruit is S T O O P I D Fruit.com. Check it out. Incredible clothing line, but more than anything, it is a cannabis reform brand. They've done so much for the industry in regards to getting out a positive message, a creative message, trying to bring people together and educate them on the good things about cannabis, how it helps people, how it can help the community. And furthermore, I'm just going to continue down here about these uh, NFTs from Marcus's letter in NFTs. These got absolutely hammered the last three months in price, but they are not going away. See, the search interest is still climbing, so you can look up what people are looking up online and whatnot, and it's only going up right now. And they are also just going through a natural market cycle. The people who think you can just right-click and save are going to be coping hard the next time these explode. 
NFTs are culture and culture surrounds itself with the best memes. The biggest brands will surround themselves with NFTs, similar to the metaverse, or become another zombie company in the evolving mutual fund portfolio. Now, I thought this was a powerful line from Marcus because it is true. NFTs are culture. The biggest brands will surround themselves with NFTs similar to the metaverse or become another zombie company in the evolving mutual fund portfolio. You don't need a lot of convincing from me about NFTs. All you have to do is look at the athletes, musicians, artists changing their profile pictures to their favorite NFT. Or you could look to Visa buying a punk NFT or Nike buying a virtual sneaker maker. Now, if you follow us on Instagram, Stash for Pass, I had a really nice thread about what Nike is doing, how they just started working with this NFT sneaker maker, and how all of that is going to look with augmented reality, with things you can purchase inside of the metaverse when you're playing these different games where you are building out your avatar, you are buying NFT generated branding from Nike and other companies as well. Adidas is going to be in there as well. And when you buy these, those are yours. Just like when you buy a pair of shoes and you hold those shoes, you will have a non-fungible token that cannot be recreated or destroyed. You own a piece of that internet. To further the point that crypto is part of our culture, it seems like every day a sports arena is joining the crypto race or an athlete is taking their salary in Bitcoin. Now, we saw this with the Staples Center changing their name to Crypto.com Arena, and that was a huge move by them. We've talked about the CRO token. Now, we owned a little bit of that CRO token because of the Crypto.com credit card and debit card rewards program. It was trading around seven, eight, nine cents, and then they made that purchase to buy the rights to change the name of the Staples Center, $700 million deal, but it created so much noise around the CRO token, they paid off that bill within a couple of weeks. And now the token, you know, I don't have it in front of me, but it went all the way up to 70 cents or so from seven cents. So like you can see, this thing is just getting started and it's not going anywhere. You'll also see all of the FTX branding everywhere. You're seeing it in the NFL. Tom Brady is an equity stakeholder in FTX. You're going to see them all over the Super Bowl ads. You're going to see FTX all over baseball. And uh, as you watch golf as well, look for the crypto.com FTX. Anytime you're watching NASCAR, you're going to see Voyager. You're going to see crypto.com. And it, the list goes on and on, folks. So again, to further the point that crypto is part of our culture, it seems like every day a sports arena is joining the crypto race or an athlete is taking their salary in Bitcoin. Now, a lot of people probably ask, how are you going to take your salary in Bitcoin? Now, one thing that I just started doing, and I did this on the Strike app, that is the Lightning Network. So the Bitcoin Lightning Network Strike app, S-T-R-I-K-E, founder and CEO, Jack Mallers essentially made a way where if I wanted to get my check 
directly deposited, I can pick a part of my check that I want to go to the strike app, put in that same routing and account number. And then, you know, right now I'm doing 10% of my new paycheck will be routed to that account and will be automatically converted to Bitcoin. And then I will take that Bitcoin and move it directly into cold storage. Now that's the future folks. When you're really seeing some of these athletes, well, how are they getting paid in Bitcoin? Are they just getting the cash and then converting it themselves? You know, maybe some of them, but just how I get a normal check directly deposited into a bank account, I can now get a portion of it. I could do my whole check, but I'm not doing that yet. I'm not on that level yet, but I can do a portion of it on the Lightning Network and it will convert for me and go into my account with Strike directly into Bitcoin. Then I send that Bitcoin into cold storage. Now continue on with this letter. Crypto is the boat and NFTs are the things we bring with us on our journey through life. NFTs tell our story and connect to our identity. We could have multiple identities in the metaverse. Now, this is a few NFT projects that Marcus follows and also owns NFTs in. And that is Loom Lock, Wasis, ON1 Force, Board Ape Yacht Club. Now, this is a big one that we actually have a uh, mini connection with. And that is in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to try and get him on the show. But uh, he is a valet for the Board Ape Yacht Club and uh, really created an entire you know, story around it. So pretty excited to uh, try and get this guy on the show and hear more about it. But also the punks and the Solana SMBs and some others will have some stomping power, but Marcus likes to say, but what do I know? He's just talking about some of his uh, heavy illiquid bags in the NFT game right now. However, to bring this journey together, to cross the Pacific, we will need bridges maps and a place to tell our story now what does he mean by that bridges and storage we are clearly entering a multi-chain world as of now meaning there will be multiple blockchain winners unless the uh the old bitcoin maxis and the bitcoin only folks get their way with everything being built on bitcoin we need these blockchains to speak to each other and be seamless every good adventure needs a story. Humans are idea makers, knowledge creators, and storytellers. Maybe our new crypto world can store our data and stories more efficiently, more decentralized, with less censorship involved. To finish these projects, coins, while fascinating, wouldn't be possible without the power of Bitcoin. Now remember that. To finish these projects, coins, while fascinating, would not be possible without the power of Bitcoin. It seems crypto natives have forgotten about Bitcoin. It lies in the background protecting us all. While I am most likely allocated to some of these smaller coins, Bitcoin will remain king and a big part of our portfolios. It is extremely undervalued as of right now in this uncertain world that Congress has created. While most are fantasizing about NFTs, layer ones, metaverse, 
Bitcoin focused New York dig is orange pilling big banks, mutual funds, and raising billions. 2022 is the year crypto grows up and takes center stage for it can't be ignored anymore. 2022 is again time to cowboy up. That being said, I'm a different cowboy this season, a little older, a little wiser. More supplies, yet still looking for an adventure to write home about. Wealth and happiness in 2022. And that's a word from our friend, Marcus Molesy, baby. Thank you so much. Can't wait to have him back on the show. And next up here on the Weather Report, we got Christmas right around the corner. So I thought, why not take a little Bitcoin dive down memory lane? Now, we were all calling for 100,000 by Christmas, 100,000 by the end of the year. Currently, we are trading at about $47,000 right now. Bitcoin with a market cap right under $900 billion or so. And uh, just to take a look back over the years at what Bitcoin was trading when old St. Nick came on down the chimney. In 2012, it was at $13. 2013, it was at $700. 2014, it was at $320. 2015, it was at $450. 2016, $890. 2017, $14,000. And then it took a nice dip in 2018, $3,800. 2019, it was $7,200. Now, last year, 2020, at $24,000. Now, what's it going to be in 2021, my friends? I hope it's going to be at least where it's at now. Not going to lie there. Because, uh, you know, the more we dip back, the more fear really is created. And we've talked about when there's blood in the streets, you got to mop up that blood, even if it's your own, or buy up that blood, even if it's your own, or you should, like Warren Buffett says, fear when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. And like we've talked about, the Bitcoin fear index over the past month or two has been on the low side, You know, the low side being extreme fear and fear anywhere from a 15 grade and extreme fear to 25 grade and fear. But we'll see what happens, folks. Now, me personally, I'm still hodling. I have no plans to sell any of my Bitcoin. And this is not financial advice. Like we always say, this is a journey, my friends. And I'm in it for the long run. This beautiful woman over my left shoulder, she's in it for the long run. And uh, as a family, we're in it for the long run, my friends. And just to tap into some of those future Bitcoin stats. We've talked about the next Bitcoin halving. Now, what is that? Right now, there are a certain amount of Bitcoins that are mined every day. In 2024, that number is going to be cut in half. And when that happens, it creates more scarcity and that creates more supply and demand. And then the value will go up with that while more people are joining this market And while more Bitcoin is being adopted around the world, but not only just by people buying and holding it, but with things like the Lightning Network, 
with what's going on in smaller countries like El Salvador, people are transacting with it, people are using it, and it's not just a store of value, but it will continue to build out and scale and become usable for many different things. Now we've talked about this before too, where you know the bank will tell people you can't afford a mortgage for $900, but you're paying $1,400 a month in rent. Now that doesn't really make any sense, does it? It seems like a crooked system, it seems like a broken system. Now there's a company in Canada that just started doing this and they just rolled it out and they're raising capital. It's called Lend, L-E-D-N, Leden. So I'm excited to see that. And like we said, it was going to happen soon. Now soon is now. Now Bitcoin, unlike banks, does not discriminate. And I've said this last week, Bitcoin was created to be used by adversaries. Bitcoin is hard money. Bitcoin is a hard asset. Bitcoin is a store of value. Bitcoin is digital gold. Bitcoin is one of the most progressive tools ever created. Now, you're going to see a lot of energy around the right side of the spectrum, but you're also going to see energy around the left side of the spectrum. And I hold no affiliation, but I will tell you right now, people that proclaim that Bitcoin is only for libertarians or for the hard right, they have other obligations involved. They probably have other people that have a new narrative that they're trying to create around it so they can keep their power. Now, the more people they get involved into something, it's going to take away power from those that are already in control of it. And Bitcoin is such a beautiful thing because Bitcoin doesn't care about them. It doesn't care about me. And it really doesn't care about you either. Bitcoin just goes and goes. It creates, it creates, it's transacting and it's getting bigger and bigger. But like I like to say, Bitcoin is for everybody. It was created for adversaries, for people that don't always agree on things, but it can still be used in a decentralized function and be safe and be secure regardless of what you believe in. Now, a great use case that I've been bringing up to friends and stuff when I talk about it is in Afghanistan. Now, we just left Afghanistan, one of America's longest wars. And when we left there, we had to freeze, or I guess I don't know if we had to do it, but we froze their central bank and all the money in. So that was eight to nine billion dollars. So as the Taliban have now taken over, they don't have those assets to help run their new country. But by doing that, if, if I lived in Afghanistan and my money was in that bank, it's now froze and I can't get it out. And I'm trying to escape that country with my wealth, with everything I've created over the years for my family and myself. I can't get that money out and leave. Now, there were some, uh, there were some different women in Afghanistan that were creating business or creating jobs. And instead of paying her employees in, you know, in money or in USD, they were paying each other in Bitcoin and they were saving in Bitcoin. So then when the Afghan and then, so and then when the Taliban took the country back over, these women were able to get out of the country with their wealth intact and they're okay now. And this is a great story. You know, just go and Google, you know, Afghanistan, Bitcoin, and you'll be able to read all about it. Uh, and another person I like to talk about just more in the progressive side is Morgan Harper in Ohio. She's from Columbus, Ohio. She's running for Senate. 
And she's got an uphill battle. Now, I don't agree with everything that, you know, Morgan has to say when it comes to politics, but uh, there are some things that, you know, I really believe in. And one of those are, you know, the character she has, you know, the good fight that she's fighting, the people she's fighting for. It's very, very important. And that's what I like. I mean, I like young leaders who have a message, who have a plan and who fight power with truth and they speak truth to power. Now, one of her things that I do really agree about is how she views Bitcoin, how she views crypto and how she looks at the new Web3 applications that are going to decentralize big banks, big corporations, and it's going to give power back to the people. And now that is what politics in the United States were always supposed to be about. Now, that doesn't always mean that you just take all the money from one side and give it back to the other side or anything like that. But to a degree, when you talk about the unbanked, when you talk about decentralization, that is what's going on as well. Now, there is a centralized power, the government, or centralized power over the internet. When you look at some of the biggest companies like Microsoft, Google, things of that nature, and then you are going to decentralize that by not by breaking up those companies, but by just walking away from them, by joining this new movement, by interacting, learning, and getting involved in these decentralized applications, in these decentralized projects. So when you look at like Twitter, for example, when it first came out, that was a decentralized version of news media. Now it has become a lot more centralized as far as how they can control what's going up on the site, how they can pull stuff down, how they can promote different things they want to promote. And there's going to be decentralized versions of that. But still, Twitter has been one of the greatest tools when it comes to information and media and finding things out essentially in real time from on the ground reporters or finding out free information. Some of the smartest people in the world sharing information about how to build, sharing information about what they're reading or what they're doing or how to look at things differently. And then if you think about decentralizing things like even Uber, where something like Uber actually decentralized ride sharing and the taxi business and things of that nature. And now as Uber becomes more centralized and it's the only show in town and they're their workers, the people that actually drive the cars, a decentralized version of even that would be those people driving the cars, making the same money that the shareholders are making. Now, sorry if I started to ramble on a little bit there, but you know, if you go check out Morgan, Morgan Harper, go check out her website, check her out on Twitter. She shares some incredible takes when it when you're talking about the future and you're talking about our younger people our young culture, and what that is going to entail, I think she is going to be one of the biggest thought leaders, and she's going to you know, create an even bigger presence as this thing continues to grow. Um, and I think she's going to be a great leader for uh, years to come. Now, does that mean I have to agree with everything that she believes in or everything that she wants to happen or whatever. No, not at all. Cause that's the whole point of all of this. That's the whole point of, you know, democracy is you don't have to agree with people 
on everything, but it creates debate. Like now if she has a certain take because I do really value, you know, her character and fighting the good fight and speaking truth to power. And the fact that she doesn't take a bunch of money from big corporations and big banks and things like that. Since I love that about her, I'm absolutely going to listen to her when she is speaking and talking about things that I may not agree with in hopes that maybe it does change my mind. Maybe it pulls me in. It makes me look at something through a different lens and then learn about it from a different angle. And then who knows what will happen? Maybe then I need to go back to the drawing board and start reanalyzing the way I'm thinking about things. And that's, that's what I love about some of our younger leaders, some of our younger politicians, and just new ideas in general, and not just listening to the same old 60, 70, 80, 90 year olds who are just creating narratives and pulling at heartstrings and using a lot of money that they get from these big donors, big banks, big corporations and lobbyists to put out digital ads, geofence different towns and just dump a bunch of BS information into somebody's brain. And now, and that's one of the reasons again, why I am leaning more in with some of our younger leaders, if I agree with them or not, because the future favors the bold and Morgan Harper is bold. And next up, just wanted to share a couple stats here. And a lot of us have always talked about, you know, crypto sphere, comparing it to the internet. Now, back in 1998, the internet had 200 million users. Now, right now, there's about 200 million people worldwide, maybe 300 million people worldwide that use crypto. Now, think about this right now. So close to 12% of Americans use or interact with crypto right now. So there's about 300 million Americans out there. 12% of them are using and interacting with crypto. Crypto will have over 1 billion users within five years. Now, that is on the conservative side. There's, there's stats out there. There's charts out there that say by 2024, 2025, we'll have 1 billion to 1.5 billion people with exposure to Bitcoin and crypto users. So if you compare that to the charts of the Internet from 1998, from 1998 to now, look out. If we stay on the same trajectory, I mean, it's inevitable, folks. Crypto is the future. Bitcoin is the future. This is our culture. Lean in, learn about it, interact with it, and be a part of it. Stash. And next up on the weather report, we're just going to dive into our portfolio a bit here. It is 11.04 a.m. on December 18th. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. And I tell you what, my portfolio is showing some green. And that makes me feel a little good, folks. Luna, our friend Luna, it is trading over $70 right now, up 16%. Thank you very much. I like hearing that. Now, last week, I talked a little bit about the 80-20 rule that we learned from our friend, the Wolf on Wall Street, Jason Spatafora. Go check out episode 19 if you want to hear more from that. 
but he blessed us with some knowledge. Now, I talked about selling a little bit of my Luna. Forgive me, hodlers. But again, like I said, my views were challenged and I wanted to lean into those and I wanted to put forth action to see if it worked. And it did work. I sold a little bit of Luna around $73. And then I bought back that same position at about $60. And then I made about $13 a coin. But again, I bought back that same position, used a little bit of those profits, put it into USDC, and now I'm earning a yield on that profit. And then when my new Voyager debit card comes in the mail, I'll be able to spend that USDC and then get even more rewards back and continue to earn a yield on that cash. Because no matter what, I'm going to have to still pay some bills. I'm going to have to buy people some gifts and I'm going to have to have a good time, folks. Life is still about having a good time, making people smile and loving yourself. So again, Luna is back up over $70. Now, I don't plan to sell any of the remaining Luna. You know, maybe when we go up to $500, I'm going to, you know, sell a couple here and there, but that's going to be a little bit of time, folks. But I can guarantee you we're going to be up over $100. And it's going to feel good. Just like when we bought Solana, Sol, at around $25. And right now, our friend Sol is trading at about $182, up 7% today. And that makes you feel good. Another one that I wanted to tap into on the list, and that is Sand. Sand is trading over $5 right now, up about 9%. That is one of our metaverse plays the one that is involved with Gemini, the Winklevoss twins. Now, who are the Winklevoss twins? They are old uh, Marky Mark Zuckerberg's old business partners from Harvard. And uh, it's funny to see this little duel go back and forth because old Marky Mark got uh, got the old rug pull Facebook from them. And, you know, the Winkies, they, uh, they took that couple millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't know how much they got in the settlement. And, uh, you know, they've been Bitcoin bulls ever since. And they're a big part of uh, this culture and this community. So yeah, I'm leaning into their metaverse project. Now they're not actually the founders per se, but they are some big movers, some big shakers and some big pushers of the sandbox. Go check it out. It's still getting built out, but it's going to be a very, very cool metaverse. And, uh, Looking forward to running around on there. Now, one that I have ran around on, I got an avatar. I went to a party, went to a bar. That is Decentraland. And I, uh, you know, the KYC, you know, what is KYC? Know your customer. I didn't have to do any of that to jump into that metaverse. I just had to connect my wallet. I didn't have to take a picture of my face or my dog or give them my social security number. I just connected my MetaMask wallet, created an avatar, and got after it. Now, right now, the central land had a very healthy correction, a nice pullback, and that is MANA, M-A-N-A, and it's trading over $3 again. We're up about 13%, and we're still having a good time, folks. Uh, we started buying that right around $1.50 or so, so we're still up pretty nice, and uh, you know, we made some ground there uh, when we were taking off on the rocket ship a bit, got up over $5, close to $6, but again, I'm in an accumulation phase. I don't plan on selling any of these metaverse tokens. I have a very cool way that I have been accumulating them too. And I talked about this last week. You can check out that episode, episode 20. But I'm using a new service called RoundlyX, roundlyx.com. And it's very similar to Acorns if you ever used Acorns in the past. But essentially, 
when I use my debit card and say I buy some coffee or I buy some gas, it's going to round up my purchases. And then when I get to $11, it automatically buys sand on Gemini for me. So it's like a dollar cost averaging mechanism. I'm not looking at the price. I'm not checking it every five minutes to see what it is. But every time I reach that $11 mark, it's making a crypto purchase of sand for me. And then that's how I'm stacking sand. Now, mana, a little bit different. You know, I've been actually accumulating mana on the Voyager app. And uh, I do that in different ways. You know, I do that with money that I deposit into Voyager. But I've also done it with Voyager. If I hold a lot of Bitcoin there, a lot of Ethereum, a lot of USDC, I, I earn a nice yield on all these things. Now, over time, we've been on there for about a year. We've accumulated a very nice bag of just reward Bitcoin, reward Ethereum, reward VGX token. And then you can sell the rewards, use that cash that is not part of your original investment just from the rewards. Now, I'm not even talking about when the price goes up and selling profits, but I'm talking about my reward yields and my rewards for promoting the app, for getting more people to sign up, things of that nature. And I'm using those rewards to buy some new projects. And that's where I bought a lot of mana with some of my rewards as well. And um, another one is the VGX token. Now it's down about $3.13. You know, we were up into the $4, $5 mark again. I've seen this thing all the way up to seven. I'm a big believer in Voyager, big believer in the VGX token. You can go check that out in the show notes. We got a link down there. You know, if you if you buy or spend a hundred dollars on Bitcoin, you're gonna get twenty-five dollars of free Bitcoin just using our link. But Voyager, they got a great CEO. You know, he was a part of E-Trade when they first started getting E-Trade going. You know, their entire business is really built around the rewards program. Their new debit card is coming out. They're partnered with the Mavericks, they're partnered with Mark Cuban. Um, you know, it's just getting started there, folks. And I'm a big believer in them. Uh, another one that we uh, are pulling a little bit of that Bitcoin slot machine that we talked about. And we actually had to do this with Ethereum and we earned a bunch of reward Ethereum on Voyager, sent that Ethereum out over to our MetaMask wallet and uh, doing a bit of that, like I like to call it the uh, Bitcoin, like I like to call it the little crypto slot machine. And we bought a very, very nice bag of UFO. Now, who's ready to be abducted? I'm ready to be abducted. UFO is up about 18%. And uh, it's one of those uh, 0.0002967 tokens. So maybe one day we will get to one cent. I'll love that. But that is a gaming token, a metaverse token. And another one that we learned about from our friend Brandon Boyd. Go check out those old episodes. I believe it was episode 15 or 16. We had an incredible discussion about the metaverse, about Luna, and everything else in between. And we got VRA. That is the Veracity token. It's up about 13%, trading right under $0.04. Cents. And earlier in the show, I talked about another gaming token that our friend Marcus Moles told us about, and that is Atlas. It is trading right at about $0.10 cents right now as well. So again, it's been a solid week for your boy over here. You know, again, most of these we are hodling. We have no plans to uh, sell. We may move some things around here and there to, uh, you know, try and, uh, you know, fight off some of the loss. But hey, end of the day, 
we're not uh you know we're not billionaires yet my friends so we're still hodling we're still accumulating now i did just get a new job as well so looking forward to that and like i talked about earlier on the show i'm going to be a part of that bitcoin lightning network just like old l beckham jr i'm going to be paid in bitcoin as well just not 100 percent of my salary just not yet and another thing that supports the bitcoin lightning network that we talk about on this show before is the fold app now what is the fold app is the fold bitcoin reward app you can go on to fold and we have a we have a link down in the show notes as well you know it is christmas time we've been buying up christmas gifts for people a lot of people use amazon so i've always gone on to fold I buy an Amazon gift card for $100, and then I get 5% back in Bitcoin rewards. So I'm going to get spend $100 on a gift card that I was going to uh, spend anyways when I was on Amazon buying some uh, presents. And then I'm going to get $5 back in Bitcoin just for that. And then I also, on the Fold app, it's a little gamification. You spin a wheel, and I'm going to spin a wheel for even more rewards or a chance to win a whole Bitcoin you know, it's a good time. It's a fun time. Now, I also have the Fold Bitcoin Visa debit card. So I will, you know, send some money to that account, get rewards for sending cash there, go out, buy some gas, buy some coffee, you know, maybe buy a six pack of beer. And then I get rewards back in Bitcoin. And then I spin the wheel and I can win even more Bitcoin. Now, I've uh, accumulated hundreds of dollars in Bitcoin just from those rewards. Whenever I get to a certain amount on the app, I send those rewards straight into cold storage. And now that that nest egg is going to get bigger and bigger. So again, my friends, I got a lot of great links down in those show notes in regards to the cryptosphere, in regards to some exchanges that I really like, and uh, also some really cool tools, you know, like the ones I just described. So go check them out, my friends, and uh, stash it. And next up here on the traffic report, We don't have a lot of updates to necessarily give anybody this week, but just wanted to give a little lead into who we're going to have on the show next week, and that is Chris Piazza. He's the founder and CEO of Canada Devices, and I just wanted to give a little bit of his background. I really think you should tune in next week. It's going to be a great conversation, and we're really excited to have him on the show. Now, Chris has been in the cannabis industry since 2008. He began as a glass blower, selling his pipes at head shops and concerts in Colorado. In 2011, he moved back home to Illinois and continued to blow glass and then started a glass school in a studio of local artists. In 2018, Chris was presented an opportunity to partner with Robert Bank to start a glass distribution company, and Canna Devices began. Since the inception, Chris has managed the growth of this new company, which services many of the largest dispensaries in the United States, all while staying true to his roots and sourcing glass from artists throughout the country, creating consistent work and an income for for them and and their families. In addition to his position of founder and CEO for Canada Devices, Chris is a founding member and a chairman of a nonprofit startup called Syndicate, created to help new entrepreneurs get access to tools and capital for their businesses. Chris has a high threshold for excellence and a natural ability to connect humbly with the people he serves. He is highly regarded 
by the cannabis community and family. And I tell you what, I cannot wait to have him on the show. That's why I just wanted to do a bit of a reading into his background. So tune in next week here on the traffic report. We can't wait to hear from our new friend, Chris Piazza at Canada Devices. Stash it. And next on the traffic report, just to give a quick update into our multi-state operators and our multi-state operator portfolio here. You know, not much has changed, really still in accumulation period here myself. You know, Green Thumb trading at about $20. Cureleaf is still at about $9. Cresco is at $7.25. And Trueleaf is at about $25. MSOS, it's at about $24.88, $25. And uh, another one that we picked up is uh, VFF, Village Farms. It's at about $6.25. Uh, Clever Leaves Holdings, it's at about $4. Verano, it's at about $11. And uh, AYR Wellness at about $17. So the list goes on and on, folks. You know, we're not seeing a lot of action there. We're not seeing some huge candles or anything. But just like we talked about with some of the new legislation that came out in the National Defense Authorization Act and, you know, how the Senate Democrats you know, pulled the Safe Banking Act from that, you know, that really wasn't anything that we did not expect per se. But again, it just kind of shows the hypocritical aspects of it, you know, the narratives of it, you know, just because some Senate Democrats, you know, that being Chuck Schumer, Cory Booker, uh, Senator Wyden, you know, those guys, they want their name on their bill. And uh, they want to be the ones to put forth a huge bill to try and tackle every single thing. And end of the day, you know, safe banking is something that is uh, drastically needed right now. You know, you have these huge companies and then you have these dispensaries that, you know, essentially have to hoard all of this cash. They can't put it in a bank and it just causes crime, right? Like it causes money laundering crime. It causes burglaries. It causes people to that know that, hey, that place is selling a lot of cannabis they're going to have a bunch of cash in there. And, you know, people do just about anything uh, when it comes to that, when you want to talk about gun violence, robbery, all that. So anyways, you know, again, nothing really has changed on that front. We're going to continue to advocate. We're going to continue to push forward because we need safe banking. We need to get these people out of jail federally and on a state level. Now we have about 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 people across the country that are in jail right now as we speak for some kind of nonviolent cannabis related crime, you know, on a federal level, we're talking about 2,400 people. So, you know, you have to be careful what eggs you put into what basket when you hear, you know, a huge federal bill that is going to get all these people out of jail. They're talking about federally. You have to ask what about in the States? Cause the feds can't actually just pull these people out of state jails either. But, you know, right now, president Biden with the pardon of the pen, you know, he could get those people federally out right now. That's it. All he has to do is sign his name on a sheet of paper and they would get out of jail. And that's something that he did campaign on, you know, decriminalization, removing cannabis from a schedule one to a schedule two. That is something he campaigned on and, uh, you know, safe banking as well. So, you know, he said he would do it in the first hundred days. Here we are going into uh, year two. 
and uh, completely no action at all, you know, no sense of urgency as far as that goes. And, you know, a huge part of his base uh, were those were those people as well. You know, I mean, when you talk about, you know, people like myself who was younger, you know, who was more energized around that, you know, people from the Bernie base, people, people that lean a little bit more far to the left, but, you know, cannabis is not something that is that, you know, cannabis, cannabis laws, cannabis culture, this is a bipartisan issue. You got over 90% of Americans feel that cannabis should be legal to some degree. You know, over 60% feeling completely legal, recreation, get out of the way, free market, let's go. And then you have another 30% or so that believes that it should be legal medicinally to some extent as well. And that's over 90%. That's a bipartisan agreement. That is almost the entire United States of American voting bloc. This needs to be changed and it needs to be changed immediately. Like we say too, you know, our veterans who are coming home from war, you know, they are from a different generation. You know, certain veterans that are younger here right now and even older veterans, you know, if they want to use plant-derived alternatives, if they don't want to take antidepressant pills, anti-anxiety, they don't want to take certain medicines for their PTSD, they'd rather use plant-derived alternatives, and then they fail a drug test for cannabis, even in a legal state where they are legally prescribed by a doctor backed by science, they will lose all of their benefits from the VA. And uh, that's ridiculous. That is wrong. And that needs to change immediately. The same thing we talk about right now by the federal government is denying or pulling people out of public housing who fail drug tests for cannabis in legal states where they are prescribed by a doctor for their ailments because they don't want to take you know the pills that the Purdue Pharma and uh, that family were pushing on everybody when the government lied and said that you know Percocets and uh, opioids weren't addictive when clearly they are and an entire generation has been hooked on these things and they're dropping like flies. Entire towns have gone over because of the lies that were pushed by Purdue Pharma. And now, yes, right now, the Purdue Pharma family, there are people trying to allow them not to be even sued by the government. You know, they have to pay the government billions of dollars, but the government has protected them from individual families from suing them for what they've done to an entire generation of young people and to older people as well. But again, these are all things we're very passionate about. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, what side of the aisle we're on. You know, I have no affiliation left, right, in the middle. I like to speak truth to power. I like to stand up for those who cannot stand for themselves. And I like to push forward things that I do believe in. And one thing I do believe in is I believe in cannabis as medicine. I believe in cannabis as an ailment. I believe in cannabis as something that anybody should be able to grow at their house if that's what they want to do, as long as they are not actively trying to hurt anybody or anything along those that degree. Cannabis is something that has come from Mother Earth. It is a gift from God. It has been used for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. So do not let that trick you, my friends. But again, what do I know, right? I'm just a uh, I'm just a normal guy hanging out, but I've lived a very, uh, a very full life, unique life. I've been all over this country. I have friends all over the world, uh, friends in power. I have friends from the other side of the tracks. I uh, have some friends that hustle and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just having a good time. So again, we're going to have some great guests coming on the 
traffic report. And uh, we can't wait to uh, continue to advocate and uh, continue to be a part of this movement and a part of this culture. Cannabis is the future, and I'm here for it, baby. Stash it. And next up here on the culture report, look out, anything goes on the culture report. We can't wait to have our man, Big Stash Adams, come back on and join us. We might have a little New Year's Eve episode. I don't know. We're waiting to get one scheduled and locked in the books. But I heard that man has been growing a very healthy mustache. So I cannot wait to see it because as you see, I have a nice little fluffy furry friend growing above my upper lip and uh it's brought a lot of people joy but i'll tell you what you know the other night you know we had a really nice steak dinner and i was going to bed and i was like why do my hands still smell like steak and i was like wait a second it's my mustache <laughs> no but here on the uh, culture report we like to bring news from basically any topic variety of topics whatever's going on out there and as we know there is a lot going on but what i wanted to follow up on this week and this hits home a little bit with probably a lot of our uh, listeners out there. So sorry if uh, I hurt your feelings or, you know, sorry if uh, you feel like I'm throwing shade because I'm not really throwing shade. This just comes from life experience and, uh, you know, being around certain leaders and certain people and whatnot. A former Ohio State coach, Coach Urban Meyer, he has gotten the boot in Jacksonville. And uh, I think we called this one, folks, because uh, myself and Stash Adams, we talked about this earlier in the year. It was after his week four loss. And uh, that was up in Cincinnati. You know, the Jacksonville Jaguars were 0-4. And, uh, you know, Coach Urban Meyer decided to abandon his team, sent them home on the airplane. And he uh, went to go, quote unquote, as we heard in the apology, visit his grandkids, which, hey, absolutely, you should go visit your grandkids. But I don't know if you should abandon your team and say you're going to go visit your grandkids and then, you know, see something surface of you out at a bar, actually your own bar, a bar and a steakhouse named after you uh, in the short north and, uh, you know, throwing them back, which, you know, nothing wrong with throwing a couple back after, a, you know, a hard start to the season. But uh, I think we can all agree that, you know, doing that, getting caught up in that kind of uh riffraff and then sending your team home uh without their head coach you know that uh that rubs people the wrong way right and then uh, you know from that little uh quote unquote uh, apology that he had uh you know i think the writing was on the wall when it came to that and then some more things came out and surfaced about the way he was approaching his team and his staff and these are all things that you know mike and myself knew you know we're uh, a part of that ohio state culture the nfl football culture and uh, it's not a, a huge bunch. You know, it's a very small group, the higher you go up. So different rumors and stories, things you hear, you know, they really do hold a lot of truth to them. So again, I was sharing this on uh, stashitorpassit.com and uh, stashitorpassit on Instagram, you know, just following along this story. This was something, again, we talked about months ago, earlier in the year. And here we are, folks, you know, Coach Meyer uh, met one of his former colleagues, you know, somebody that worked under him, and that was uh, Coach Rabel at Ohio State. And if you saw the videos we were sharing, I mean, it was ridiculous how Urban was strolling across the field, didn't even jog to go meet him just after getting their ass kicked as well. And, uh, you know, didn't even look Coach Rabes in the eye, gave him some loose, goofy handshake. I mean, literally everything you teach your uh, kids probably not to do 
especially after losing. I mean, we got to witness that, and uh, that's ridiculous too, right? Like, this is uh, the former Ohio State football coach, someone that holds immense respect, people that have a lot of pride in him, a lot of people follow him, and a lot of people believe in him, as they should. I mean, this guy brought a lot of joy to Ohio State fans, a lot of wins, and a national championship. But to see that, to see someone like that act like that, it was ridiculous. I mean, because at the end of the day, we are still all representing Ohio State or representing the Buckeyes. And that was a former Buckeye as well, someone that worked for you. And, uh, you know, all that stuff surfacing in the news about how he treated his staff and was kicking his players on the field and uh, things of that nature. And then you just see that video of him walking across the field, you know, like he doesn't care, like he doesn't want to be there, doesn't even look the guy in the eye and gives him one of those loose, goofy handshakes and just carries on. That's ridiculous. So, not trying to, uh, you know, speak bad. All I'm doing is speaking truth. And, uh, yeah, I think we all saw it. And, uh, you know, I wasn't surprised that, uh, you know, he lost his job about 24 hours after, uh, you know, that interaction because, you know, somebody that's now going to get paid millions of dollars not to work because, hey, I'm sure he got a great contract. He had a great uh, agent that fit that all into uh, the contract. But makes you start to think like, hey, maybe there should be some kind of you know, clause in uh, some of these coaches' contracts uh, because we already know, you know, in college football and whatnot, these coaches are paid insanely. If you even look at, uh, if you look at the new uh, Coach Kelly, you know, down at LSU, now his team has a shot to, uh, you know, do some great things. They're at Notre Dame. They're 11 and one. You know, he leaves in the middle of the night, has to send out a text message basically saying goodbye, you know, still went back and addressed his team. So, you know, it's a tough, uh, tough, tough pill to swallow in the uh, media driven world, information world. You know, he knew his team would find out before he had a chance to uh, tell them in person. But again, there's a lot of money going out to these coaches and then people are getting mad that, you know, players are getting some money now. It's like, come on now. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, we were sharing it on our Twitter as well. You can follow me at jshugs76 or jshugs76. And that was Gene Chizik you know, wanted to drop some tweet about, oh, college football players, offensive linemen at Texas are getting $50,000, like put into a fund for them on top of getting a $200,000 scholarship. Like, wow, American families are struggling to make $50,000 a year. No, I spoke back to Coach Chizik. I was like, majority of college football players come from struggling American families. And of those you know, struggling American families. Now, if that money managed correctly, that is going to bring more freedom to generations within their family, past, present, and future. So again, it's ridiculous. Again, that take coming from an old coach at one point that got $10 million not to work. Now, these are the first guys that are going to get mad at anybody that's like, oh yeah, nobody wants to work anymore. It's like, all right, man, you're getting, you got paid $10 million at one point in your career not to work. And now you're upset that somebody that has had to work their whole life up into that point in college, now they're going to get a little bit of money. Like, come on, man, it's ridiculous. So again, we were just uh, pointing out a couple uh, things here and there in the college football world. But another I wanted to give a big shout out to, and that is coach Marcus Freeman. Now I played with Mark at a uh, Ohio State. He was a redshirt senior linebacker when I was a freshman. He is the newest head coach 
at Notre Dame. And wow, what a huge job, what a huge responsibility and a huge commitment. And I don't think there's a better person for the job. So I'm really excited to see what Coach Freeman does there. You know, they like to call him a uh, player's coach. But if you go check out some of uh, some of his words to his team and whatnot, you know, those guys are playing hard for him and those guys will continue to play hard for him. And I think he's going to surround himself with a great staff to go out and recruit some more players because those guys are doing it for him, not because necessarily he's a player's coach, but because he respects them. He knows them and uh, he creates real relationships with them. And uh, I'm not surprised because uh, he's a Trestle guy and, you know, Coach Tress has instilled us with so much wisdom, you know, so much gratitude and uh, really gave us some of the tools that you need to win at life. And one of those tools being bringing people together, leaning into relationships, really honoring and caring and listening to what people have to say, if you agree with them or not. Because again, like we say, life is all about bringing people together. And how do we do that? We do that by putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. We do that by loving ourselves and working hard for ourselves so then we can love and work hard for other people even more. We do that by not judging ourselves. Now, we can critique ourselves. We can come up with a plan to make ourselves better, enact that plan, and take it day by day, hour by hour, step by step. It is a process. It's a process sometimes of doing the same things over and over and over again to become masters of our craft, masters of ourselves, and when we can do that, we can generate so much more out into the world, so much more love, so much more understanding, so much more appreciation, and so much more gratitude. And that is why we are here. We are here to come together, to work together, to love ourselves, to love each other, to stop judging ourselves. So we'll stop judging each other. Now, that is one of the beauties of life. That is one thing that I am extremely grateful for, was getting to learn under that man, Jim Tressel. Coach Trestle, who's now the president at Youngstown State University. If you're not familiar with them, as I sure majority of our listeners are, you know, go catch up with them, go check them out, follow him on Twitter as well. He has some great tweets that he puts out every day with a hashtag quiet time. Now, what is quiet time? It is something that he taught us early in our careers, early in life. And just similar to how we talk about the mindful minute, quiet time was a time that we used as a team where we would open up in our winner's manual, we would find a quote, we would read about it, and then we would sit there with it. We would think about it. We would meditate. We would manifest. We would write down our goals. We would enact our goals because without action, our goals are nothing. You know, we can talk about things. We can think about things, but until we put a plan together and insert action, you know, hope is just hope, but hope in action that is what will change the world. That is what will bring us together. And that is how we create love and prosperity for ourselves, our family, and for everyone around us. Now, thank you so much, my friends. Thank you for joining us for another incredible episode here on the Stash for Passive Podcast. And like I always say, don't forget to check those show notes. One in general, my favorite link of all, newest book that came out from the love of my life, Kelsey Aida letters to the universe you'll see the first link under the show description go check that one out it is a manifesting and interactive affirmations journal it's going to be out january 11th i already bought 200 copies and i'm going to be passing those out uh, 
everyone I love, everyone I don't love, and everyone else in between. Because again, it is a book, it is a tool, it is something that we can all use, especially going into the year 2022. Because I can tell you, it is going to be the greatest year of our lives, my friends. I'll see you next week. And thank you so much for being here with us. Stash it.